0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlocks big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Smart Choices, a practical guide to making better decisions. In the late 1980s, IBM, a global giant in the IT industry faced a life and death problem. An internal turf war and the loss of customers externally caused financial difficulties. It was not until IBM turned to Louis V. Gerstner for help that the company successfully resurrected its fortunes. We also analyze this situation in detail in the bookie of Who Says Elephant Can't Dance inside IBM's historic turnaround. When Gerstner entered IBM, he started by addressing elitism. He took many targeted actions, but there were two main ones. First, disbanding the management board, the top decision-making department, and replacing it with a process of employee consultation. Second, allocating bonuses based on the company's overall operation rather than based on individual performance. These strategies suppressed an egocentric culture that had flourished in certain regional branches. However, elitism was prevalent in the US at that time. So, why did Gerstner go against the trend and decide to fight elitism? He is certain to have tried a series of problem-solving approaches to reach these final decisions. He also had a unique decision-making system. By the time Gerstner stepped down as IBM's CEO in March 2002, its stock price had increased 800%, regaining the company's prestige. Gerstner's decision-making proved to be definitively successful. Most people will agree that we need better decision-making methods in the workplace. But in life, It is also advantageous to adopt strategies to help us make decisions. Suppose you are approaching your 30s, should you follow the custom and get married? After you are married, should you have children immediately? You need effective methods to make these important decisions. Decision making methods, as advanced as they may sound, are ubiquitous. People make decisions every day. What kind of job to do, whether to start your own business, whether you will be happy depends on the decisions you make. Given this, a dependable method will help us in decision-making and you may find it in today's book. To write Smart Choice as a practical guide to making better decisions. The authors analyzed research results over half a century. They also tabulated the experience of thousands of decisions they had personally made in over 40 years. Let's first introduce the three authors of this book. John S. Hammond is a professor at Harvard Business School and MIT Sloan School of Management. He has 40 years experience and has been a consultant for organizations such as Bank of America and the World Bank. Ralph Elkini is a member of the United States National Academy of Engineering and a former professor at MIT. Howard Raiffa is a Harvard Business School professor and a pioneer in decision analysis, negotiation analysis, and game theory. This bookie consists of three parts elaborating the methods of making smart choices. Part 1. How to formulate multiple alternatives. Part 2. How to choose among alternatives. Part 3. How to minimize the impact of uncertainties. To make a smart choice, you should first have several alternatives to choose from. To begin with, let's look at how to create functional alternatives. First, You should define the decision problem properly to determine the framework for decision-making. This means you must know what problem it is you're trying to solve. If you get it wrong, you will go in the wrong direction. If this is the case, even if you come up with a plethora of alternatives, it's useless in practice. Here's an example. You're planning to move to a new city, and you need to find an unfurnished apartment to rent. So, your decision problem seems straightforward, Which apartment should I choose? But is it really that simple? Maybe it would be better to rent a house if the whole family is moving with you. Or maybe you shouldn't move to the new city at all because it will not improve your job prospects. The decision you make from the perspective of whether to move or not will be different from the decision you make from the perspective of which apartment to choose. Therefore, it is essential to figure out what problem you are trying to solve. So, how do you define the decision problem properly? First, you can start by writing down the problem you intend to solve, and then question, test, and refine it. Subsequently, ask yourself what triggered this problem and why am I considering it? Thirdly, you should continuously re-question the constraints of your problem statement. The concept of constraint is rather abstract, so let's use an example to illustrate. Here's a problem, when should we conduct two months market research for our new credit card offer in the central region? This problem contains two constraints. The research will be in the central region and last for two months. Although such constraints frame your choices, they also restrict you with blinders. So it's better to continue questioning and reviewing the constraints. In this case, you might ask should the test be conducted in the central region only or the West as well? Are two months long enough or are three months better? In addition to the steps mentioned above, A fourth step you can take to define the problem effectively is to seek others' opinions. Friends and experts are both equally suitable choices. The former helps you get a broader perspective, and the latter can provide professional insight. We also suggest that to start with, you consider a range of possible problems. Then keep checking and reconsidering them as you make decisions. In this way, you will ensure that the problems you are solving are the ones with impact. Please take your time in defining problems. Suppose you fail to identify the decision problem correctly. In that case, you will be running in the opposite direction even though you will seem to be making progress. Please don't rush into the decision-making process immediately after clarifying the problem you are trying to solve. You still need to identify objectives to direct the decision you make. Objectives are essential for they can lead you to smart choices. For example, Suppose your boss offers you an opportunity to get a promotion and a pay raise, but you have to relocate to a rural area. Your first response might be great, however, on second thoughts, you realize that your wife and kids might not want to move. Therefore, you go home to discuss it together with your family. Then, in consultation with them, you identify two objectives to advance your career and your family's material well being, and simultaneously to improve your family's overall happiness. In light of these two objectives, you see that moving to another city might in fact lower the level of your family's happiness, because the climate of the new place is not so attractive. So, regrettably, you forfeit the opportunity. Objectives will guide the decision-making process. So, how do we identify objectives? In terms of this topic, the book lists the following five steps. Step 1, make a list of the concerns you want your decision to address. To focus your thinking, you could also compose a list of the worst possible outcome that you should avoid. Then, seek family members and colleagues' opinions. By doing this, you will get a more comprehensive wish list that accurately reflects a range of thoughts. Step 2. Simplify your concerns into succinct objectives. Try to describe these objectives with a short phrase consisting only of a verb and an object, such as lower the cost, mitigate environmental damage, and so on. Step 3, to establish your fundamental goals, separate ends from means where means are the actions you take to achieve objectives. Consider the goal but don't worry about how you will achieve it. What is this method exactly? You ask why and keep asking until it is no longer possible to formulate a why question. For example, assuming that the initial objective you consider is to minimize emissions, test it by asking why. So why do they want to minimize emissions? Because it will reduce pollutant concentrations. Why is this important? It will limit human exposure to the pollutants. Why is this important? Because exposure can damage people's health. By doing this, you find that reducing health damage is the fundamental objective. Everything else is the means of achieving it. Step four, clarify targets for each objective. For instance, if you want to maximize prestige in your professional field, ask yourself how you will evaluate prestige. When you have determined a system of evaluation, then you can progress towards the objective in quantifiable steps. Step 5. Test your objectives to see if they stand up as a justification. Consider if your objectives would help you explain your decisions to someone else. If you can explain it easily, then your objectives are logically clear. If not, you may need to think twice about your decision. The steps above are the way to identify objectives. Next, we consider the decision-making process. In this process, we generate creative alternatives and lay the foundation for choosing between options. What do we mean by alternatives? If we compare decision-making with cooking, the alternatives are like ingredients. To make excellent cuisine, you must have a good range of the best ingredients. Therefore, alternatives should be diverse in the approach creative. However, when generating alternatives, people tend to be negligent. One mistake is to base judgments on experience, not thinking outside the box. For example, if you have been out to dinner and a movie every weekend in the past month, you will probably repeat the pattern this weekend. Another common mistake people make is to choose the first viable solution that comes to mind. For example, you recently moved to an unfamiliar place and need a local doctor. If your colleague recommends her doctor to you, you will probably choose that doctor. The colleague's doctor may be competent, but he or she is not necessarily right for you. In fact, with a little extra time and effort, you can find a doctor who will better meet your needs. Besides, being dogmatic, basing choices solely on other people's recommendations or procrastinating in coming to a decision are all unwise. So, how can we generate multiple creative alternatives? you should consider the following four categories of alternatives, process alternatives, win-win alternatives, information-gathering alternatives, and time-buying alternatives. You may feel confused by these terms. Let's try to make them clear with examples. Suppose you have two roommates, both of whom are huge fans of Justin Bieber. Now, you have a ticket to his concert and want to give it to one of your roommates. But no matter who you give it to, it is likely to hurt the other's feelings. Under these circumstances, you decide to choose by using the toss of a coin. Flipping a coin is a process alternative. It is a decision-making process used to determine who will get the ticket. Other commonly employed process alternatives include voting, auctioning, and arbitration. The advantage of this kind of alternative is that it is relatively equitable. In tossing a coin, the result depends on sheer luck one cannot blame the other no matter who wins or loses. Here's another example. Suppose you want to travel abroad with your family to watch the Olympics. You ask your boss for an extended holiday, the boss refuses. At this point, you could make a deal with your boss. You help him with the tricky contract if he or she grants your request for leave. It is a win-win alternative, taking both sides' interests into account. Next, What is the information-gathering alternative? Here is the example. When making a diagnosis, a doctor will refer to your blood test report, your past medical history, ultrasound test, and other data. Here the doctor adopts the information-gathering alternative, reducing uncertainty and empowering the decision-making. To continue, let's look at time-buying alternatives. Suppose you intend to buy a vacation home in Maine. It requires a lot of capital and you need to be cautious, so you may decide to rent a house first. Renting in this way is a time-buying alternative. But be careful, the deferral may cause you to miss an opportunity. The perfect solution seldom exists. You should always generate detailed and comprehensive alternatives. However, once you find the best solution which may still not be perfect, you should stop your search immediately to prevent wasting energy. This concludes the first part. In this section, the authors discuss the three elements of formulating alternatives, defining the decision problem, identifying objectives, and generating alternatives. First, to grasp the decision problem, it is crucial to analyze it from multiple perspectives. Then, to identify objectives, you can go through five steps. Step 1. Writing a wish list. Step 2. Describing simplified objectives using verb-object phrases. Step 3. Separating ends from means. Step 4. Clarifying targets. And Step 5. Checking justifications. The last thing is to generate many alternatives, referring to the possible categories, process alternatives, win-win alternatives, information-gathering alternatives, and time-buying alternatives. Today we are just sharing limited content.